Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pierce of Mind podcast. My name is Matt Pierce, and I'm your host. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. If you would do me a favor and hit that subscribe, like, and share button, I would greatly appreciate it. Obviously, I'm always trying to get the word out. And like I've said before, I'm not trying to make any money off this podcast right now. This is more of just a way for us all to connect and hopefully bring some people together. I'm not sure how your day was today, but honestly, I have to admit, for being in treatment, today was a pretty good day. Unfortunately, I had to start recording this twice because the first time, I broke the cardinal rule number one. Don't say any names. And I failed. So, that's what the delete button is for. And here we are. Um, today, I did not have a lot of expectations because I don't have a lot of ex- expectations going into most days. Uh, but today, started off good. We had a session and I shared and uh, got some great feedback. And honestly, um, the particular thing I shared, you know, we call them agendas or basically like journal entries with a topic um, or prompts, right? That's the big special word. But with the prompt, and so the agenda I did, um, I'm actually going to share with you. I got a couple agendas I'm going to share with you today because you know what? You guys are cool. And I need, I think these are kind of helpful. These are helpful for me when I read them. So you're helping me by listening. But anyways, the first one, I was told by my dietitian in PHP to basically write a letter or write about a relationship with my ED as though my ED was a person. And when she first gave me this, I was like, this is just not going to work whatsoever. I can't get into this. I can't relate. I mean, silly, who's going to do that? Who's going to take their ED and, you know, write like it's an ex-girlfriend? But then I started writing because completing these agendas is important to me uh, because I do get stuff from them sometimes and... You know, why be here if you're not going to put in the effort? So, I'm going to share it with you and then we'll kind of see what, what we think. So, here we go. By the way, I have shitty handwriting, so I can barely read this. We met when I was just a boy. I was so desperate for a friend and you arrived just in time. You didn't make fun of me or call me any of those mean names. Over the years... Our band got stronger and stronger. I felt so, our bond, not our band. Our bond got stronger and stronger. I felt so free, able to be my most authentic self with you. I would share my most vulnerable stuff with you. You were there for all the lost loves and silly crushes I had over the years. You made sure I was never alone during those dark moments, giving me a shoulder to cry on when needed. What was so great about you was that I didn't just share my bad times with you. I also got to share all my great days with you as well. Throughout the years, I slowly started to fall in love with you. So much that I ignored all the red flags. I gave myself to you completely, dedicating my life to making you happy, making sure all your needs were met, and making sure you felt fulfilled. You took this love and you used it against me, trapping me in this abusive relationship. 
I stopped spending the time with my friends because you made me believe they did not care about me anymore. I isolated myself in the house because you hated going out. You always promised that you would be by my side no matter what. You told me you was my ride or die, and I believed you. Now I'm actually dying, and I feel like I need you more than ever. I need you here to feel the lonely moments. I need your embrace to take away the pain. Sadly, the more time I spend with you, and the more time I spend alone and suffer with this pain, I have begun to realize you are the problem. Listening to you and giving you so much control over my life, that is what is killing me. What really sucks is knowing all this, you would think I could let you go. But I can't, because I'm afraid of what life without you looks like. So I will probably just allow you to continue your abusive ways until you kill me. Love, Matt. That was, I mean, it just gave me a lot of feels. Because, I mean, it is. My ED is so much like a shitty relationship. I do it at once when it wants. I never say no. I never resist. And when I resist, I feel like shit. I feel bad. Because I don't want to hurt its feelings. I don't want to make it mad at me. I don't want it to not love me. I don't want it to stop caring and stop being there when I need someone to listen to. Because I honestly cannot imagine my life without it. It's been there so long, it's scary. And I have fucked up so many things in my life. And somehow the one thing that has stayed steady and strong is my bond and love to this damn disease. This inability to control myself and not have like... Just like these impulses. Like I'm telling y'all. Like I drive. Anywhere near a Sonic. And all I can think of. Is like I have that order in my head. And I didn't even want Sonic. That's the thing. But as soon as I see the sign. I gotta have it. And if you know me. Once I get something in my head. I will go through heaven and hell to make it happen. Whether it's something as big as some like life thing changing, uh, you know, buying a house, whatever it might be. Like once I get locked in, I'm gonna have it. But also that means once I want Sonic, I gotta have it. Once I think about like, oh god, I'm so bored. What am I gonna do? Fuck, I'm gonna order Outback because for 20 minutes that will make me feel better. And you know what's fucked up? Is I honestly have a bad history of being so good at dropping people and important things in my life. Just for like little indiscretions, little things where I felt like somebody, you know, fell short of what my expectation was. Or I thought somebody was treating me strangely. I would just say, fuck it. I'm out. I don't need that person in my life. And then I would no longer contact them. 
I can't tell you how many times I've moved and left everything and started from scratch. <laughs> but the one thing I can't do that with is my eating disorder. I did. I, I spent seven weeks in here and busted my ass, y'all. I mean, I gave everything. I cried. I laughed. I hurt. I thought about shit that I had buried so deep. And I thought, all right, I did it. I'm ready to step out and step down to PHP. And guess what? Fucking wasn't ready at all. Failed basically day one. Binging, binging, binging. Because I was alone. And I was isolated. And I was bored because I didn't know what to do or where to go. And and the first thing I did when those things got in my body, those thoughts got in my head, those feelings got in, well, how do I feel them? Oh, come here, Edie. Let me love you some more. Let me let you destroy me a little bit more. Let me let you break me down a little bit more. And so I got can't lie. I'm stepping it down again next a week from Thursday. And I constantly asking myself, what is going to be different? What can I learn this time to stop me from going straight to binging? It's not going to happen overnight. It, you know, it's not going to be, I can't imagine I'm ever going to go just without binging ever again. I just, I think if I'm being honest, I don't know that that's a possibility, but can I only binge once in a great while? Or what does binging look like once I have my weight loss surgery? Because if I have a binge like I would today, like on a normal day, given the opportunity, after having weight loss surgery, I am dead. Because my belly probably will explode or not explode, that's a over-exaggeration, but it will very well, I don't know the word right now, because my brain fog is hitting me, but it will basically, it will break open. And then all that shit will, all that bile will go into my body, and I will probably die from it, if I have a binge like I would today after surgery. So I have to make sure 100% that even if I have... What, you, what I would call a binge post-surgery that they are rare and they are yeah, just rare. They're less so infrequent that I forget about them and I regret them every time I do it, right? So looking at like how do I do that? You know, that's, I guess that's what I have a week to figure out because I'd like to say that I have a wrap on it, but I'm scared shitless because guess what? I'm going back to being by myself, going back to isolation, kind of. I mean, I have my car here so I can go out, I can drive, I could go to the Y. I have things I could do now at least because I have my car, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be alone in that apartment 
because, you know, a lot of times females don't want to house with males. Even if we're not, we won't be roommates, but they don't even want an apartment share. So that means I'm probably going to be in there by myself for a while. And, like, there is a part of that that I like, right? Because the chaos we ha I have here every day is a bit much for me to handle at my old age. So there is a nice thing about having a little bit of a freedom, but, like, I'm scared to be alone. You know? Maybe that... I have to find things to do. And thankfully I have you to help take some of that time up as this podcast is really... I'm not going to lie, I think I even told my um, therapist today that it, it kind of saved my life. Uh, or maybe at least saved my treatment. Maybe not my life, it definitely saved my treatment. Because, you know, I hadn't done it in so long. And now that I'm talking every night and getting this stuff off my chest, I'm sleeping better. I get up ready to attack the day a little bit better. I'm open to the new stuff, you know. I'm not holding stuff in. Because I come on here and I lock it up with you guys. And I am forever grateful for that. Like, I have gotten some really good feedback from this show. Um, and if I've already said this, I apologize. Um, but I've had people saying, you know... Things like I've kind of inspired them to find an outlet. I've had people who I haven't talked to in a while reach out and say, wow, you know, thanks for being so vulnerable. This has actually been helpful to me in this way and that way. And honestly, obviously, as someone who's a bit of a narcissist, it, I love the positive feedback. I love the positive reinforcement. So I'm going to keep doing it. We had a session with our therapist today that went better than I anticipated. I I really have been, how do you say it? Let's just say battling my treatment team, which has not been good for me in the sense that I'm not going anywhere. I'm not getting anything accomplished by it, but... You know, when I get in that mode, it's hard for me to get out. But today I kind of went in, again, because I'm podcasting. I went in with an open mind, and we started talking, and I read uh, that thing I just read to you. And then we started talking about feelings and what I would be feeling, you know, if I wasn't eating all the time. And I was like, well, it's funny you should ask because she had already given me an agenda last week as well about writing about what I would be feeling if, you know, I wasn't binging. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to read this agenda real quick. It says, if I was not stuffing it all down with food, I would probably be feeling all the negativity I have I have in life. I would have to give space to all the hurt I have given to others because of whatever pain I was feeling at that particular moment. I would have to acknowledge to myself that they did not deserve whatever anger I lashed out that they were just doing their job. And no matter if I liked the answer I was given 
or not. I did not have any reason to take it to that level. If I was not drowning the emotions with DoorDash, I would have to acknowledge what a failure I am in life. I have done nothing of consequence in my 43 years on this planet. And now I am dying and accepting that has been tough. I almost feel like I am getting what I deserve. If I'm not burying my emotions with food, I would have to sit in the feeling that I have failed as a father. I would have to ruminate in the sadness that the person I love and care about in this world hates me and wants nothing to do with me. I would constantly be reminding myself that not only have I messed so much missed so much already but I'm going to miss so many first to come she will not even care because she has no emotional connection to me if I am not shoving down food down my throat I have to acknowledge I am dying I am definitely not completely ready to see that reality I have always wanted to live as long a life as possible, always joking that I would do some horrible things just to live forever. So the idea that I will be dead before I'm 50 just is too much. And that one really hit home too with me today. Like I think that's what it is. I'm running from those feelings. I'm running from taking responsibility for myself. I mean, especially when it comes to being a father. I, being a father, I mean, I was not ready for that. 19, you know, 17-year-old girlfriend who would become my wife very quickly because she was now pregnant. And that's a situation I never saw in my life. I just, I knew I would be a great uncle, but not a good dad. So honestly, I really didn't want to have kids. I thought, Matt, you're way too selfish to be caring for another human and being responsible for another human. But whoever's up there, whatever you believe in, they had other plans because, you know, next thing I know, Debbie's pregnant and I am overwhelmed. I have to, I'm now a husband at 19. Um, I have to figure out how to keep a roof over my family's head. I have to figure out how to feed my child, have to feed my wife, feed and clothe my wife and I. And I got to be honest, my ex-wife, she went balls to the wall. She got job serving and she did everything she was supposed to do. And I, I just had a hard time holding down a job because it was, I was, I mean, I was still dealing with the same shit I'm dealing with now, but I had no support. I mean, mental health when I was 19 
I would have got laughed out by everybody I know, probably. I mean, when I was 19, I just, like, if men said they had mental health issues, I mean, I was probably even giving them shit for it. But I, I had that. I had the same issues. I had the same stressors. I had, you know, the bipolar. Like, that was always there. And I didn't do anything about it. So I simply was just a piece of shit husband. I was a piece of shit father. And when Debbie and I finally divorced, it was not good. It was not pretty. It did not end well. I wish it had. I wish, honestly, even further down the road that her and I could have been friends. And we could have raised Kaylee together. We could have been co-parenting. And been, you know, support each other's lives. Um, because at the end of the day, no matter what, she's still the mother of my child. So I have, there's some respect that will just never go away. No matter what ugliness we have traded amongst each other, I still want the best for her. Um, but unfortunately it went South. It went bad all the way. I did some fucked up shit. Which I own. You know, I always say that I earned a lot of the hate I got from Deb. And I earned a lot of the whatever feelings Kaylee has negatively. I earned those. I own those. Um, Unfortunately, like, that 19-year-old me is all she sees, all Debbie sees. So, I don't think a relationship between her and I will ever happen I mean here's the deal she reached out I would totally reach back out and I would love to have like just some clear the air conversations um but I am very hopeful I'm even hopeful I pray every day that Kaylee reaches out I have been writing her and sending the letters, and I'm told they're getting to her. I have to trust that. Uh, at first, I was writing her, you know, the, the same old shit. Like, you know, I want to be in your life. Uh, I want you to know how sorry I am for the way, you know, things went. And I can't change the past and all that stuff. And then a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, man, if she's reading these, they have to be getting just like where she just wants to toss them as soon as she gets them. So, so I started doing a little different. I started putting pictures of my family because she doesn't know my family at all. I mean, I think she knows like who her grandma is. She's got some idea, but really like deep down, she doesn't know any of us. And I know what that's like because unfortunately my father wasn't in my life and you know, one of the Side effects of that is you don't get to know who you are all the way. You don't get to know who your family is. And even if they're fucked up, like, you should still get to know. You should still have that ability to build those relationships, that opportunity. So I sent, the first one was I sent a picture, a letter and picture of my grandpa. And I did the first paragraph just saying how things in treatment were going, so on and so on. But then I honestly spent two pages just going, this is my grandpa, Loy, your great-grandfather. And I just list all the amazing things that we did, the road trips we took. 
uh, over the years. Like my grandpa was a trucker for a long time. So, you know, whenever we would go to Pennsylvania, like all the stops were at truck stops. That's where we ate every time. And grandpa always knew everybody. Even after he's been tr- done trucking for years and years and years, someone always knew him. And they were always happy to see him. So, I, you know, I passed that on to Kaylee because I wanted to know what an awesome man her grandfather, what great-grandfather was. And what an effect he had on my life. And how he was really the only consistent father figure I had. And then I sent her... I don't remember who the second picture was. I want to say it was my grandma. Um, but right off the top of the head, I can't remember. And then I'm just going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep sending her letters with pictures of one of somebody from the family. And hey, this is your uncle. Or hey, this is, you know, your grandma's brother. What is that, like a great uncle? I don't know how that all works. And I'm just going to keep sending them, and I hope that, you know, the Debbie's telling me the truth, and she's giving them to Kaylee, and, you know, I'm just going to hope that she reads them. And I hope that something clicks where she's like, oh, he's not just trying to, like, spend all his time getting back into my life. He's trying to give me knowledge about where I come from, and maybe that will just, you know, initiate a sit-down. You know, I would do anything in this world to talk to her. I don't know her address. I don't know her phone number. I know nothing. I'm sending letters, you know, to her mom's house. And I trust, I have to trust that they're getting to her. But, like, I don't have a direct line to her. I know where she works, but I'm never going to just show up at her work because I would be pissed off if my dad did that. But, like, I just want her to know... That I'm so much better of a man than I was when I when I was 19. I'm better than the story she's heard. And I'm not everything she's heard. And that I love her so much. Like, that it hurts to think about her. Because I know that I won't get to talk to her. Or see her. It's crazy how kids do that to you. Well, in brighter news, as I have to kind of get off these somber topics because they make my heart sad sometimes. Um, we may be having some guests come on. Uh, I've got some ideas. Uh, obviously, I want to get Kevin back in. Um, but for these treatment shows, I have some people who are here in treatment with me who said they would like to come on and do a podcast. Don't even know what that's going to look like. Right. But I can't imagine it not being fun. And what else? Oh, getting tired. It's that, it's that part of the day, right? You get in this routine where your body's like, all right, time to go night night. Because we got to get up early and to put in the work. Anyhow. Um, oh. 
I did want to tell you, Kim reminded me, and if I already said this in this episode, again, part of the brain fog, but Kim told me that I have told you guys about the brain fog, literally like it was brand new in like every episode. So please give me some grace. When I tell you that it is aggressive, I mean it is aggressive. Um, and so I'm doing the best I can. I've gotten some great advice on how to approve the show. I'm going to try to implement some of those things. Um, so this thing's gone. I mean, it's really because you all keep listening. We had a nice amount of downloads that I could not believe today. So I'm excited. And you know what? Being excited is how we should end the day. So I just want to thank you guys for spending some time with me tonight. And being cool. Not being a douche. Because being a douche is not cool. Until next time, please like, share, and hit that fucking subscribe button. Come on. Then you'll get the alerts every time a new one comes out. Don't be afraid. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care.